0: this is Chandler Jones and thank you so much for joining us for this week's podcast the heart of this podcast is to provide you with inspired preaching and teaching from God's Word that will help you boldly live for Jesus if you haven't already I would love for you to subscribe today to this podcast so you won't miss the latest messages let's go right into the service Recorded at Compassion Church Radford, I believe it will be a blessing to you today. Go ahead and stand to your feet, please, and turn to 2 Timothy 4.7. 2 Timothy 4, seven is probably one of my most favorite passages in the entire Bible. 2 Timothy 4.7. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. Here's where we come in. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Praise God. You can be seated. 2 Timothy 4, seven is known as the great Apostle Paul's farewell address. It's a letter that he is writing to Timothy. It's uh, his last address, and I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to be beside someone and they're in the final stages of their life. I've, I've had to do that as a minister, and when I'm doing that, obviously I'm there to bring great comfort and trying to find the words and trying to encourage and trying to love and But I'm also listening. I'm also listening to hear what they would say. And I I think right here, this is an opportunity for us to hear a great man of God, a great man of faith, one that did so much in the New Testament to hear what he's saying as he knows his final days are at hand. You know, Paul could have talked about his Damascus Road conversion. I hope you know about that. That somebody said it like this. This man wanted to kill preachers. He became a killer preacher. We heard that, didn't we? How he's on this road to Damascus to take people that were of the way. That way means those that were of the faith in Jesus Christ. He had letters to to bring them out of the synagogue and imprison them. But God interrupted his plans. And he... Sees this great light of heaven, hears the voice of God. He's temporarily blinded. God commands him. He says, Paul, good, Saul at that time, Saul, go into the town and you'll be told what you must do. We know that he was there, he was discipled, he ate, um, he got his vision back. But not only did he get his vision back, he got the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says he then went immediately. This is what I love about our God. He went immediately and preached the Christ in the synagogues. Here this man was going to kill preachers, now became a killer preacher. And he could have talked to Timothy about that experience, could have talked to him about being shipwrecked, could have talked to him about his missionary journeys, could have talked to him about all the churches he started, could have talked about so many things in this farewell address but this is what he talks about he says i have fought i have fought and you know the moment that we accept the lord jesus christ and we surrender our lives to him the fight begins and there's three constant fighters that every single one of us if we're saved and we know god that we will fight until it's our last day And Paul fought them all. The number one fighter that Paul fought was his flesh, the carnal man, the Bible says over and over. 1 Corinthians 9 and 26, go there. I'm going to read it for the sake of time. This is what he says Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight. I'm running and I'm fighting. And he says, I fight not as one that beats the air. I'm not just practice fighting. I'm not just swinging at the air. He says, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. He gives us this word picture when he says, thus I fight. That Here's the word picture. He's in a boxing ring. And on the other side of that boxing ring is not another external fighter. The other man in that boxing ring is his flesh. I don't know that you've ever thought about that, but you are in a fight with your flesh tonight. Every day you're going to fight your flesh. And it's not pretend fighting. It's not just a game. It's it's not just, well, you know, there is a fight going on. Not as one who beats the air. It's real fighting against a real enemy. One man said it like this. That enemy is in a me. It's not some external enemy out there. It's someone in me. And that's the uh, the amazing thing about it, that you get saved and you have a new nature, but there's still a carnal man. There's still a flesh man and you're fighting him. But this is what he said. I discipline. This is how we know he's fighting himself. I discipline my body. I discipline my flesh. He said, I control it. It does not control me. It's interesting to me that discipline and disciple are so similar. Look at the word there, discipline and disciple. There's not many letters that separate those two words. If you're going to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you better learn some discipline. You better learn to bring your body under subjection. You better learn to have some self-control. You ought to learn. We live right now in a time where everybody says, say yes, say yes. Tell yourself you can. You can do this. You can do that. There ought to be things in yourself, in your spiritual walk with God, where you're telling yourself no sometimes. No, I don't talk like that. No, I don't act like that. No, I don't think like that. No, I don't Do those things. You have to bring your body under subjection. If you don't, you're in trouble. It's another word picture, that word subjection. It's a picture of a master and a servant. And when you think about the dynamic between a master and the servant, who's in control? Is the servant in control or is the master in control? The master's in control. The master is gets to tell the servant what he can and cannot do. The master gets to say, yes, you can do that. No, you can't do that. You can go here. You can't go there. That's the master-servant dynamic. And it's not the other way around. That needs to be a word picture for us tonight. The spirit man has to tell the carnal man what to do. Not the other way around. And you say, who wins? The one that you feed. Who's stronger, the the spirit man or the carnal man? It's the man that you feed. It's the one that you bring under subjection. And Paul tells us that it's so important because if you have no discipline and no subjection in your flesh, this is what he says, you cannot effectively do ministry in the kingdom of God. Why? Because if you can't lead yourself, you will never lead another person to the Lord. If you have no control, if you can't even follow what you know you need to do, how's anybody else going to follow you? And this is what he says right here. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. We should not live our entire Christian life as hypocrites. We shouldn't. We've got to learn to bring our body and our flesh under subjection. We have to first lead ourselves. Number two, the next fighter that he is fighting is the world. When I say the world, I'm not talking about nature. I'm not talking about creation. I'm talking about the world in the world system, the system of the world. The system today, and it always has been, the system of the world is anti-God. That's why it says that there's always been an anti-Christ spirit. The world system is anti-God, anti-truth, anti-church, anti-family, anti-everything that God is for, the world is against. And so we're we're to fight this world. 1 John 2 and 15, this is why it says this. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's hard to fight against something you love. He says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. Here we go. And the world is passing away. Don't miss that. And the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. We have to fight. Falling in love with the world, do we or do we not? We have to fight. The Bible says, "Setting the Bible says, don't set your your affection on things below, but set your affection on things above. Get your eyes on the eternal. Get your eyes on heaven. Get your eyes on God. Don't always look around at this old world and get attached to it." You think about Demas. This was a man that was in ministry. You know what Paul said about Demas? Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world. He was no longer in ministry because he had loved the present world. You know, somebody said concentrating on this world is like rearranging the deck of chairs on the Titanic. This world is sinking. The water is filling up. This world is going to go under. And when you, you think about that, people are striving to make money and buy this and do this all the time. Eating, drinking, and giving in marriage. That's what it says in the book of Genesis. So shall it be in Matthew when it says the Son of Man will return. Where you're in love with the world, you're rearranging the deck of chair, the chairs on the deck of the Titanic. Why is that so foolish? Because the world is passing away. It's passing away. The ship is going down, the water is filling up. But he who does the will of the Father will abide forever. That's the promise that we have. You're going to fight the world system, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, proud of life. Number three, the next fighter is our enemy. Satan hates God. Satan hates us. I talked about last week, he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Tonight, I quickly want to look at how Satan fights us. If you've got notes, this is, would be a good time to take some. There are more than these four, but there's clearly four key things that Satan does to harm us. And the reason I'm preaching this, I'm not giving glorification to the enemy. I'm not building Satan up. I'm trying to build you up. I'm trying to, the Bible says, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Be not unwise to Satan's devices. If you think about a fighter, A fighter, before they fight, if they're a good fighter, they study their enemy. So when they are in that fight, they know their moves. They know how to guard and protect themselves. And so these four things tonight are key things, scriptural things that the enemy does, tactics that he uses to fight against us. Number one, Satan wants to speed you up. He wants to speed you up. If the devil cannot get you to be bad, he'll settle for you to be busy. When we're sped up, we're busy. We're doing, doing, doing. And the more you're doing, the easier it is to get distracted on what's most important. And you say, well, what's wrong with doing? What's wrong with that? The Mary-Martha dynamic who was doing, and who was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha was doing, doing, doing. And you know what Jesus said to her? You're wearied and troubled about many things. Why? Because you're sped up. You can't even focus on me in our relationship because you're doing things. Being busy, it is not always the blessed life. I'm not talking about being lazy. You got to work. But sometimes we do a lot of things and we add a lot of things to our plate that God said, I never told you to have. So it, the enemy wants to speed us up. But Jesus said, Mary has chosen the best part. It will not be taken away from her. How many of you ever said this? I'm too busy. <laughs> I have, Lord. Too busy. And Sometimes we can be so busy that we miss Jesus, and we're worn out, and we're weary. Too busy for the house of God, too busy to pray, too busy to serve the Lord in a ministry. When that happens, most likely we have been sped up. The Bible says, teach us to number our days, that we have a heart of wisdom. The Bible says, redeem the time, the days are evil. There will be a lot of people that die and go to hell because they never slowed down enough to think about eternity. They never slowed down to think about, what's after this? I had so much going and going and going. Satan kept them busy all the way to their death, and they never had time to stop. They never made time to stop and consider eternity. Not only does Satan speed us up, number two, he slows us down. 1 Thessalonians 2 and 18, this is what Paul said to the church of Thessalonica. I wanted, he said, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. We wanted to do the will of God. We wanted to preach the gospel. We wanted to win souls. But there was opposition. There was something keeping us away from you. And this is who Paul says it is. It was Satan. Sometimes He slows you down. Sometimes He keeps you hindered, and there's opposition to hinder us, to slow us down, to get us. The reason why at times we feel that hindrance is to get us to stop. Satan knows if he can get us to stop, it takes more strength to get going again. So we feel that opposition. That's why the Bible says, don't be weary in well doing." You will reap if you faint not. you got to keep on going, even in opposition. Even when things are coming against you. Even when it feels like you're being attacked and there's this opposition. You have to keep on going. Because you'll reap if you faint not. Satan speeds us up. He slows us down. Number three, what else does Satan do? Satan lifts us up. Satan can lift you up. Satan was lifted up in his heart. What did he say five times? I will be like, I will, I will, I will, I will be like God. He got lifted up. He got puffed up. He got prideful. What did he tell Eve in the garden? We talked about this. He said, you can eat of that tree because you will be like God. You will be in control. You will have power. You will have authority. What we know that Satan's fall from heaven was because of pride. And he got Eve with pride. He lifted her up. The devil lifts us up. He he tells us we're great. He tells us we're important. He tells you that you're you're all that in a bag of chips No one's as good as you. No one's as smart as you. No one's as wise as you. You got it all figured out. He tells us that we're the center of everything, that the world, that family, that church, that everything revolves around you. What's he doing? He's lifting you up. He tells you you're strong, you're attractive, you're beautiful, you're smart, you're wise. He tells you you're entitled. You deserve that. You ever heard that before? You work hard. You do this. You do that. You deserve that. What's he doing? He's lifting you up. He tells us we can handle our life on our own and that we don't need God. He speeds us up. He slows us down. He lifts us up. And lastly, this is what he does. He puts us down. If he can't lift you up and get you to fall, he will keep you down where you never can come up. Revelation 12 and 10, it says he is the accuser of the brethren. He reminds you of your faults. He reminds you of your failures. He reminds you how bad you are. He reminds you of your thoughts. He reminds you of your actions. He reminds you constantly. Let me ask you this. Have you ever remembered past sin for no reason? You ever just been driving in your car? And you just start thinking, wow. Wow. I am no good. I am nothing. I'm a failure. I'm a bad dad. I'm a bad husband. I'm a bad employee. What's he doing? He's the accuser of the brethren. And he's doing that. He's pushing us down. He reminds us even when things are forgiven. You know what a lot of people need to do? They need to tell the devil to get on. I ain't listening to that you got to remind the devil that it's under the blood I love the old preacher he said Satan will constantly remind you and remind you and remind you of what you've done he reminds you of your past and when Satan reminds you of your past you remind him of his future you need to remind him that one day he is going to be in a lake of fire with all the devil with the devil and the demons When he reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. You remind him that it's not under the rug, it's under the blood. And that God takes it and he casts it into the sea of forgetfulness and he remembers it no more. Satan loves to make you feel low. And on some level tonight, we should feel low. We should feel meek. We should be humble. We should be small in our eyes. We should always realize that God is everything and we always need Him. However, there is a huge difference tonight between feeling unworthy and feeling worthless. There's a huge difference there. I never feel worthy. I never feel like I've arrived. I always remember that (laughs) I was in that pit pen I always remember that I was lost, and He found me. I was dead, and now I I always remember that. I never feel worthy in the presence of God. But I don't feel worthless either, because I know what Jesus has done for me. And I know that it is Christ who lives in me. And I am made in the image and likeness of God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am a child of the Most High God. I can't stay down when I remind myself of that, when I remind myself that I'm forgiven, that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and one day I'm going to be in heaven. I can't stay there because of that, those truths, those promises. But Satan is the master of discouragement. Oftentimes we feel so insecure and we feel like a failure, and we feel like we never do anything right. Where does that come from? Satan. Satan, the accuser of the brethren. Satan speeds us up, slows us down, lifts us up, puts us down. Tonight, I'm done talking about him. Let me talk about the Lord for a minute. Let me tell you what he can do. When Satan comes to speed us up, when life gets busy, God has a way of giving us rest. He has a way of bringing us beside the still waters. He has a way of restoring our souls. In this busy, troubling time, when everything seems out of control, something inside of us tonight has peace. Peace I leave you, peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. God has a way when we feel sped up to give us rest. He knows how to restore our soul. This is what he says. When you feel tired and heavy laden and sped up, he says, come unto me and I'll give you rest. You'll find peace for your soul. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? (laughs) Hallelujah. You can praise God on a Wednesday night. When Satan hinders us and slows us down and opposes us, God says, I'm for you. I'm for you. I'm with you. I'm fighting for you. You need only be still. You're going to get through this. Satan may hinder you, but you're going to move forward in Jesus' name. You may feel like that tonight. You may feel like you're stuck in slow motion spiritually. God has a way of breaking you through. I love the times, and we talk about it a lot, In churches, I grew up hearing this all the time. You need a breakthrough. You need a breakthrough. You need to break through what you're going through. And God has a way of breaking us through that hindrance that Satan uses to slow us down. You know how you break through? You break through in prayer. You break through on your knees. You break through when you get humble before God and you say, Lord, I need you. That's how you break through. That's how you fight your battles. When Satan comes to lift us up, you know what God does? God humbles us. And you say, that doesn't feel good. That doesn't sound good. You know what we need sometimes? We need a good old fashioned humbling. We need correction. Nobody likes to talk about correction but whom the Lord loves, he corrects. And sometimes God knows the only way that I can get you back on track after Satan has lifted you up, I have to let you fall. I have to let you get in the dirt again. i got to let you struggle again. And God uses that humbling experience. I say this a lot. Some of you, and I've been here, the only time we ever look at God is when we're on our back. Satan lifts us up, God has to humble us at times where we see our need for Him again. Satan comes to put us down. God knows how to reach down and pull us up. The book of Psalms, David said, He lifted me out of a terrible pit. We can get ourselves in a terrible pit by our actions, our failures, but sometimes we get in a terrible pit because we've listened to the lie from hell for too long. And we feel like a nobody and a nothing and worthless. And we feel that depression. But God says, in that pit, after Satan has pushed you down, I know how to reach lower and lift you up. One of my favorite scriptures, I would have to remind myself of this many times, I can't remember where it's at right now, but I remember the words. This is what the Word of God says. He says, Thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. When you can't lift your head because you feel the weight of everything, God says, I know how to lift your head. I know how to get your chin back up. I know how to get your eyes back up. God knows how to put wind back in our sails. And He knows how to pick us up off of our back and get us standing on our feet again. Don't stay on your back. You reach out, God will reach down, and you'll get back on your feet. I love this scripture in Romans. We are more, say it with me, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. We're more than conquerors through him. Through who? Through Jesus, who loved us. Satan will come to speed you up. He'll slow you down. He'll lift you up. And he'll put you down. But for everything Satan does, God says, I can do better. I can do better. Heavenly Father, tonight, We come before you, O God. And Lord, we are, we are always going to be in this battle. Tonight, some people need to fight this flesh a little bit more. They need to bring their body under subjection. And I pray that they would choose that. I pray that, O God, they would feed the spirit man, so the carnal man, the flesh man, would be weak and frail. And that the carnal man would have to, have to submit to the spirit man. I pray, O oh God, that tonight our affections would not be on this world, would not be on money, would not be on things, but our affections would be on you, O oh God. Our affections would be on our family. Our affections, if you're married tonight, your affections would be on your spouse and your children. That, O oh God, our affections would be on the house of God and the work of God that, Lord, we would be in love. David said, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Oh, God, we would be so in love with your house. Father, I know that we're, we are going to fight the enemy. And I pray tonight, Lord, your people would, would, would remember this simple message. And when they feel this attack of the enemy, Lord, that they would know, God, that you're with them and they don't fight alone. Lord, to those that feel sped up tonight, I pray, O oh God, that you would bring them rest. I pray that they'd be still. This is what the book of Psalms says, be still and know that I'm God. That, Lord, you bring a stillness and a peace to our life. I pray for those, oh God, that feel hindered, feel opposed, feel that resistance, feel like they're spiritually in slow motion, that they're not moving as fast forward as they need to, I pray for breakthrough in Jesus' name. I pray, oh God, that Lord, for those that they don't even see it tonight, but Lord, if they are not lifted up, oh God, that Lord, they would receive your, your humbling. They would receive your correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. I pray, O oh God, that you would reveal unto them their great need for you and that they are not all that. The Bible says we're just dust. It says my heart and my flesh will fail, but God is the strength of my life. Lord, I pray that we never forget how much we need you, and that you're everything. And Lord, tonight, I believe that this may be the greatest thing the enemy does. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's a reminder of our faults and our failures and our mistakes and our shortcomings. And Father, I pray tonight for every person that feels like they're under the attack of their past because the enemy keeps bringing that back. I pray, O oh God, tonight that they would understand that it's under the blood and it's no more. no more. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing towards those things that lie ahead. And I pray, oh God, tonight that, Lord, you'd bring us out of that pit when we feel that. In Jesus' name, Father, we love you, Lord. We praise you and worship you. And thank you for Jesus. Lord, I pray for every family. Lord, bless them tonight. Thank you that they're making the house of God a priority. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I really want to say thank you for joining us this week. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. It helps this podcast reach more people with the gospel of Jesus.